Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. Amen. Well, I want to just give Him the glory for the great things He's done, and I want to invite you tonight to Exodus chapter number 6, Exodus chapter number 6 in your Bible, and we're going to be looking at uh, the fact that we can rest in the promises of God. And I'm thankful for God's promises, aren't you? And I'm thankful that we can come back to God's promises and be encouraged. I'm thankful we can come back to God's promises and see Him fulfill those promises. And when times where we feel discouraged, that's especially important. On February 20, uh, in a February day in 1925, a man named Floyd Collins climbed into Sand Cave in search of his fortune. He thought he was going to uh, have a great day, but suddenly his lantern, yes, before uh, you know LED flashlights, his lantern uh, ran out of fuel and he was plunged into darkness and he began to crawl through the darkness until suddenly his foot hit a seven-ton boulder and it pinned him, it fell on his leg and it pinned him in that cave. Now, uh, he was uh, over 150 feet below the surface, trapped, and uh, they had started a rescue effort, uh, and, uh, and just in that rescue effort, they tried to bring him out, and, and crews came on the scene, and then people showed up, 50,000 tourists showed up. They brought hot dogs, and they, would, uh, they were selling balloons and soft drinks, all from people all over Kentucky, and in the end... I'd like to say Floyd Collins got out, but he died alone in that cave. That's a terrible ending of a story, isn't it? What a tough way to begin a a, a sermon. You know, this terrible situation reminds us uh, that sometimes we can feel trapped by sin. Sometimes we can feel overwhelmed by problems. Sometimes when we go through times of trial, we feel like, man, we we just don't know where God is in the midst of that. But unlike those spectators, God doesn't just sit by and eat a hot dog. Amen? We have a God who walks with us, who's going to help us through that time and trial. And so I want to invite you to Exodus chapter 20, or 6, excuse me. As we do so, I want to remind you of a couple of things that have transpired so far in this study. And if you look at the end of chapter 4, verse number 31, I want to point out something very quickly. After Aaron had come before the people, he performed the miracles God had told him of, and it says, and the people did what? Read that there. Believed. Isn't that great? They saw what uh, Moses, heard what Moses said, they saw the miracles that he performed, and it just simply says that the people believed. Chapter 5, we see that Pharaoh and uh, Moses came before Pharaoh, and as he did so, uh, Pharaoh rejected the message, and as a, as a result, made their lives more uh, difficult in the hardship, and now, instead of believing, they were, uh, they were no longer believing. In the beginning of Exodus chapter 6 now, we see the Lord speaking to Moses and bringing just a moment of encouragement and reminding him of promises that he had given to him. In verse number 1 of Exodus 6, it says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. 
says, listen, I, I, it was my desire for him to harden his heart, but now look and see what I'm going to do. For with a strong hand shall he let them go. With a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said, I am the Lord. He said, don't forget who I am. Now let's jump down to verse number 6. Because the God who said, I am, who the God who is the self-sufficient one, then makes a promise. And I want you to notice in your Bible as you read these three verses, how many times the Lord says this statement, I will. Verse number 6. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the, of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm with, and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and I will give it to you, uh, give it you for an inheritance. I am the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this wonderful promise that you've given to the children of Israel that you reminded Moses and you reminded uh, Aaron and, those, and the children there of your faithfulness. And Lord, as we glean from this text, may we also see that we can rest in your promises as well. Uh, Lord, no doubt uh, we live in an age, Lord, where there are trials that come our way. But God, we are thankful that you are faithful and that you are still the I Am God. We praise you and thank you and just, Lord, uh, direct our hearts to you this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. In Exodus, we find a people behind enemy lines, if you will. Uh, but we also find a God that keeps His promise to His people. You know, from a human standpoint, uh, God's deliverance doesn't always follow a straight line, right? If we think about uh, the children of Israel, God uh, led them along a, a path that He had desired for them uh, in, order, in order to get them to Canaan. But along the line, and, and that same way works in our life oftentimes, because we think, listen, if I want to get from point A to point B, then I'm just going to fly, uh, drive in a straight line or fly in a straight line. But God oftentimes works outside of that, and He works in a different way from that. And, and because it's different than what we expect, oftentimes we find ourselves not trusting. Sometimes we find ourselves, is God really going to keep His promise that He's going to provide uh, for our family? Or are we going to be able to really keep our promise that God is uh, with us in this trial? And, and as we look at this, we see God's plan was to keep His promises to the Israelites once again. And it reminds Moses of that truth here. In verses 6 through 8, we see him repeat, I will, I will, I will, over and again. He reminds him of this promise. Think about this. If Pharaoh had instantly allowed the children of Israel to go out of the land, the first response, he said, sure, y'all can go, no problem. It seems logical to me that Pharaoh would not have lost his army. He wouldn't have lost his ability then uh, to be able to go after and recapture the Israelites. You see, God used this time, these ten plagues, God used this uh, to weaken Pharaoh, weaken the army, so that he could never go back and recapture the Israelites so they couldn't be uh, brought back into this country. Now, it was not easy for them to live through these plagues, but God still had a plan in all of this. When Moses and Aaron appeared the first time and requested this freedom, their faithful request was met with rejection. But it wasn't just a rejection, it was full of hate. And so God reminded them, listen, I am still the Jehovah God. I am all-powerful. I'm the pre-existent one. And He was still going to fulfill and deliver His people. 
Numbers chapter 23 and verse number 19, on the other side of this, Moses writes this, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Listen, he's, he's reminded that God and his character is faithful. He's not wishy-washy. And he's one that we can depend upon. And so Moses here was learning that he could rest in, he could trust in the promises of the Lord. And that's important for us to see as well because there are some promises that God's made to us. And one of the first promises that God made to the children of Israel was just simply that of redemption. Now, God has made us a promise of redemption as well, and we see that correlated here. But Israel, in this point, was discouraged because their workload had suddenly been increased Instead of, uh, instead of just uh, the, the Egyptians providing the straw, now they had to find their own straw. They had, uh, as they made the bricks, they had to continue with the same number of bricks. Uh, and so they were plunged into this time of more despair, more anxiety, and they were wondering if they were doing the right thing. So God really stepped up to the plate here for Moses, and He reminds him of some important things. In verse number 6, He says, "...wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord." And that's such a wonderful reminder because he's essentially saying, don't forget who I am, what I'm capable of. Now, just something that uh, as I was studying today in my office, I was reminded uh, uh, of, or I, I read a statistic that the most uh, popular verse uh, that was searched for in 2020 was Isaiah 41.10. And it simply says this, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will uphold thee, yea, I will uphold thee with thy right hand of my righteousness. You see, in times of fear, oftentimes we can be comforted by the simple fact that we are reminded that He is still God. And that's what God was reminded Moses of here, but there was a couple of things that we can draw from this. And in this He promises redemption, there's several things that we can draw from this as well. First off, we can see the provision of deliverance. Verse number 6, he goes on in that first I will statement. He says, I will bring you out. God first assured His people He would bring them out of bondage. His plan for deliverance had not been thwarted by Pharaoh's refusal. Listen, just because Pharaoh said no didn't mean that God said, well, that was, that was disappointing. You ever, this is a thought that flashed through my mind yesterday, and it was just that, that God is never surprised by our surprises. I know that's deep. But think about it. He's never surprised by our surprises. He, wasn't, he didn't look at this situation and say, what in the world happened here? You know, we may look at a situation, we may think, what in the world is going on? But God never does. He's never asked that question, what in the world is going on? You know, because He is a God who knows all things. From the, end, he, uh, from the beginning, He knew what would happen in the end, and He's t- uh, shared a lot of that with us. Have you ever had someone that made a promise to you, though, and they didn't keep it? Man, I, I, uh, I know it can be easy to make a promise. Hey, I'll call you. I, I made a promise to, uh, to someone last week, and I said, hey, I'll text you tomorrow. Guess what I didn't do? I didn't text them tomorrow. I, it took me a couple days to remember, oh, I was supposed to text that person and connect with them. You know, sometimes that happens, but God is one that never breaks His promises. A man once needed some dry cleaning, and, and so he took his uh, dry cleaning, and he needed it done like yesterday. You know how it is. Us men, were always waiting to the last minute on things. And so he drops, goes to the dry cleaners, and it says, one hour dry cleaning across the top. And so, amen, you know where this is going. 
He takes it in there, drops it off, and leaves, and he comes back an hour, an hour or so later, and he says, I'm ready for my clothes. They said, what are you talking about? You just dropped those off. He said, yeah, one hour dry cleaning. They said, oh, that's just our name. That's not what we do. You know, some people can be pretty disappointing. You know, but God never disappoints us. Some people will tell us one thing, but then end up doing something else. But God doesn't deal in the same kind of human inconsistencies. Because when He makes a promise, we can trust His Word. He says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight: 28, Come unto me, and I, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He gives you that invitation, come. And know what it is to be able to rest from your burdens. Know what it is to be able to find peace in your spirit. Take my yoke upon me, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the kind of God I want to serve. You know, God calls to us to, to come to Him so that He can deliver us. And we can know and experience uh, the fullness of His promises. The second thing is we see the provision of freedom. Look at the, the next I will statement here. It says, I will rid you out of their bondage in verse number 6. So we see first off, He says, I'm going to uh, bring you out from under the burdens. And then He says, I will rid you out of their bondage. God promised a freedom, a provision of freedom uh, for the children of Israel here, and He promised to completely rid them of the bondage of the Egyptians. Listen, that would require destroying the, the Egyptian army, destroying Pharaoh's ability to come back and retaliate. And so just as the Israelites were under great bondage to Pharaoh, though, listen, a lot of people are in bondage today because of sin. This is the greatest bondage in the world but God promises a freedom. He says in Romans 8, 1 through 2, He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. You see, this, this world is under the law of sin and death, but we see a beautiful picture here of Jesus providing freedom, of Jesus providing deliverance for those who will accept the forgiveness of sins. That's the glorious news, is, is just simply, listen, you have the power as God's child to say no to sin. Remember Nancy Reagan in the 80s, just say no. Well, listen, Christian, we can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can say no to sin and be able to uh, say yes to Jesus Christ. Because here's the truth, sin is a hard taskmaster. It creates chains of lust. It creates chains of anger, of envy, and addictions. And those chains get tighter and tighter and tighter. But our God can deliver us and rid us from those problems once and for all. Because with His Spirit, we can be free indeed. You see, God promises to deliver us when we seek Him, when we ask Him. And He promises deliverance to the children of Israel and to us today. But we see the provision of redemption next. He says in the last part of that, the next I will statement, He says, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. This part of the promise is a declaration of coming redemption that's made possible by God's willingness to redeem. You see, our, our reach is limited. Have you ever thought about this? He says, I will, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. There's only so far I can reach. You know, there's only so much that I can do personally. But God knows no limitations. No matter how desperate the situation is, God can reach down and bring you out of uh, that, that situation and bring you to a place of redemption. 
This was his promise. This was his promise to the Israelites, and this is his promise even today. And he still works in our life like this. No matter where you live, no matter what you've done, or how deep a hole you've dug for yourself, his arm is stretched out for you. That's that word redeem. This has the same uh, idea of the kinsman redeemer here that we see pictured in the story of Boaz purchasing Ruth. In Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, it says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and he went in, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. It's that same idea of redeeming that Boaz had done for Ruth. It's the same idea of redeeming that God pictures here with His outstretched arm that He purchases us back and we belong to Him. In order for a Bible, uh, in Bible times, in order for a slave to be free, there was a price that had to be paid. So, in, in other words, for emancipation to be experienced, someone, usually a relative, had to give a ransom. That's what Boaz did in this situation. And then the freedom was offered. And it's the same way what Jesus has done for us. We need this same kinsman redeemer. That is Jesus Christ. He's purchased us. He's redeemed us. And He brings us out of sin and gives us freedom to Him. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. He said, listen, I've come to redeem. Jesus came so that, uh, so that we could receive this powerful promise of redemption. Church, may we never get tired of being able to go back to the cross and being go, able to go back to that place where Christ has bought us, He's redeemed us, and made us free again. Deuteronomy 7 and verse number 19 says, "...the great temptations which thine eyes saw..." and the signs, and the wonders, and the mighty hand, and the stretched out arm, whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out, so shall thy, uh, the Lord thy God do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid. Listen, he has a powerful arm, willing to reach out and redeem and to save someone. Imagine if somebody was on a boat, uh, and they saw someone drowning, and they reached out an arm, and they desired to rescue them from their fate of death. That's someone stretching out. That's someone uh, bringing someone into that place of safety. This is how God stretches out His arm to you. Listen, we have the opportunity uh, to be an extension of that arm. Jesus offers us to be able to say, listen, we get the opportunity to share this hope with others. We have the opportunity to be able to share with others that uh, Christ is our hope. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17, it says, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, Thou hast made the heaven and the earth, and by thy great power and stretched out arm, there is nothing too hard for thee. Verse 21, and has, uh, and has brought forth thy people, Israel, out of the land of Egypt with signs and with wonders and with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm and with great terror. The same powerful God that reached out and gathered his children out of Egypt is the same one that stretched out his arms at Calvary so that he, we could be redeemed by him. Listen, we have a wonderful God that loves us. We have a wonderful God that desires to bring redemption to us, but that redemption was for a purpose, so that we might have relationship. You see, sometimes we think, listen, uh, God wants to save us so that we can have religion, but God doesn't save us for religion. He desires to save us for a relationship with Him. He desires for us to walk with Him. And, and verse number 7 in our text here, he continues on with these I will statements. He says, I will take you to me for a people. 
He says, listen, you don't belong to the world anymore. Now you're mine. You belong to me. I desire for you to walk with me on a regular basis. And so God had chosen His people, and He wanted them to know Him, because He wanted them to be able to have that relationship. But it takes, what we see is there was a gracious choice that was involved. In that very first part, He says, I will take you. He chose them. I remember, I, I go back in my mind's eye just because it was February and just uh, in Valentine's Day and I can't help but think of uh, my bride and the day that we stood before, before the altar. And, and that I remember when we exchanged those vows and my wife and I, we uh, made a covenant, we made a choice, if you will. Uh, the pastor, Brother Gary Webster, he asked me, he says, do you take this uh, woman to be your bride? I said, I do. I will. Yes. Absolutely. Whatever the answer in the affirmative is, absolutely. Listen, that was a willful choice. Her, her mom and her dad wasn't down there with a gun on my head making me say, what, say anything. And it wasn't that way for me either. She willfully chose, believe it or not. It was a moment of weakness, but praise God, I took advantage of it. Listen, that was a willful choice in that moment. And in the same way, what we see is God says, I choose you. Later, we see as uh, Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, he reminds them of what, what it was that God saw in them that attracted uh, him to them. In verse Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 8, it says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. And he says this, The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep the oath which He sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You know what Moses reminded him? He says, listen, there's nothing beautiful in you. God chose you because His love is unconditional. He says, I choose you. His compassion and love toward us today is the same reason. The reason that He loves us, the reason that He stretched out His arms is because He chose us, because He loves us. Listen, we're not saved because we're deserving. I'm not saved because I was raised in church. I was saved because God stretched out His arms and He says, Father, forgive them. It is finished. He paid the price. And He did this not just for a select few, but for everyone. He wants all men to be saved. And He offers it as a gift. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not, have, uh, should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, listen, this is not a, a few salvation. This is a whosoever. Whoever will come shall be saved. Sometimes we wonder, are we worthy of God's love? But here's the thing we've got to remember. God's love is not based upon our worthiness or our merit. It is an unconditional love. That's why the Bible tells us that we can cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. In 1 Peter 5, 7, we see that where God says, listen, just, just you can rest in Me because I didn't choose you because you were perfect. I didn't choose you because uh, you had the right color hair. I didn't choose you because uh, you had the right bank account. Listen, I chose you because I love you. A woman had a couple of children, and, and some of you parents can may probably sympathize with this woman's condition. And, and they, sometimes her kids were a little hard to handle. And after a really especially fr frustrating day, her husband got home, and she looked at him and said, 
I'm going to sell the kids. And he started laughing, and he says, nope. She says, what do you mean? You don't think I can sell the kids? He says, no, it's not that I don't think you should sell the kids. I said, I can't imagine anybody would ever buy them. <laughs> Listen, that's not the way God looks at us, is it? Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful God doesn't look at us and say, Listen, I'm going to sell you folks. He says, You're mine. I love you. And there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. But we also see His gracious care here illustrated in the latter part of that verse. He says, And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out. So we see this. This desire that he says, listen, I want you to know that I am the Lord, your God. He wasn't saying, listen, I'm just going to call you out of bondage. But then, then his promise extended to complete and total deliverance. He wanted a continual fellowship. He wanted to give them a constant care to his people. And isn't it good to know that God cares? Amen. It's not just that, hey, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, listen, I love you, but I just don't like you very much. God never says that to me. He never says that to you. He doesn't look at you and say, Brother Dennis, I, I love you, but I don't like you today. He never says that. He always looks at you and says, listen, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Listen, you can rest in me because I, I am consistent. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. We may be fickle, but God is always the same. And he says this, listen, I want, I want nothing to get between me and you. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to enjoy a fellowship. Relationship is what he desires. And he says this in Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. As he gave this to Moses on the mount, and he reminds them of these, these simple commandments. He says, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That's why I have no other gods before me. Why? Because he wanted relationship with them. Listen, we can oftentimes put things above the Lord. And we can oftentimes elevate things that really don't matter. I, I can be just as guilty as anybody else. And then God says, listen, but I love you, John. Won't you just walk with me? And I can't help but think that oftentimes, especially as a Baptist, you know, I know my, my redemption secure. January 31st, 1988, I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I'm on my way to heaven. But sometimes our love can grow cold. Sometimes our affection for Christ can uh, maybe wane a little bit, and that relationship is weakened. And he reminds us, he says, listen, I desire, I desire a relationship with you because you're important to me. You see, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in the garden, and his desire was to have communion with them. But we broke that, didn't we? And so God, through Jesus Christ, makes that way again. He gives us that opportunity to walk with him again. So what do we do? How do we create that relationship? How do we grow in our love for Christ? One, get in the Word of God. Man, be in the Bible every single day. Make Him first in your life every single moment of your day. Talk with Him in prayer. Spend time with Him. Because, listen, don't just go through religious motions, but have a personal relationship. And that just takes simply time. Often, as, as I counsel with couples, I'll remind them, listen, love is spelled T-I-M-E. That is the most important thing you can do to demonstrate your love to someone is spend time with them. Do you love the Lord? Let's spend time with them.
Lastly, let's look here in this last verse here. We see there's a remembrance. You listen, God not only promised to redeem them and, uh, or just to re- establish a relationship with them, but He promised to remember uh, the promises He had made for them, the land. Okay, He says in verse 8, He says, And I will bring you into the land concerning uh, the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you, uh, you for an inheritance I I am the Lord. And so his first, he, he reminds them, he says, listen, I remember that I'm going to give you the land. Don't forget about that. I, I've not forgotten my promise, and I don't want you to forget it either. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, uh, this is the promise where God had made this promise to Abram. He says, now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Listen, he was reminding them of this. No matter how long it took for the fulfillment of the promise was, uh, how long it took for that uh, promise to be fulfilled, God had not forgotten His Word. You know, here's, the, here's oftentimes the, pro- the problem that I face. is because God's timetable and mind don't always align. Mine's like a rabbit speed. Sometimes I feel like God's is turtle, but His is perfect. His clock's perfect. Mine just runs fast. And, and because it's not always at the same time, and I think, man, God needs to work like this, and God needs to uh, make this happen, sometimes I think that He's forgotten the promise that He's made. Right? We think, well, maybe, maybe God doesn't love me. I see Him blessing this family over here, and I see Him uh, doing this for someone over there, and maybe God's just forgotten me. And we think, well, listen, God just doesn't even care about me. Listen, those are all lies from Satan. You know, 600 years passed between the giving of this promise to Abraham to this point right here in Egypt where God was about to lead them out and into the promised land. Over 600 years. Listen, if God can keep a promise for 600 years, He can keep one in your life. Trust Him. Rest in those promises. And that's the whole thing of what Moses was learning as God was saying, listen, I am the Lord. I am the one that you can count on. I am still Jehovah. I'm still the pre-existent one. I'm still the self-sufficient one. I am still able to do anything exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. His power was still there. Listen, he had not abdicated his throne. He's not, uh, he'd not forgotten or forsaken. Instead, he was saying, listen, Abraham, uh, or excuse me, listen, Moses, I have never forgotten. I still remember. Listen, God made a promise to all of us in John 14, 3. He says, and if I go, and he's gone, he, he says, I go, I, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Isn't that a glorious promise? And will receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. But sometimes with everything that's going on in life, we've got ball games and we have jobs and we have commutes and we have concerns about all of the responsibilities. We forget that Jesus is coming again. But just as sure as He brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, He will also keep His promise, and He will soon be returning. Listen, He isn't giving us an earthly land that He promised to the children of Israel, but what He is doing is He's giving us a home in heaven with Him for all of eternity. So when we go through difficult times, let me remind you of our affection, our attention needs to be set upon Him. Uh, a couple of verses out of uh, the New Testament here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. It says, For the which cause we faint not, but though our outer man perish, 
Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, Paul was saying, listen, yes, we're going through some light affliction, but it is nothing in compared with the glories of eternity. Keep a heavenly perspective. And then part of our memory verse for this year, Colossians chapter 3, he says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, and set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Listen, rest assured that Christ will keep His promise. But He also, in this, not only to give Him a land, but also to give Him a legacy. And this was important because God made a covenant with Abraham and He promised Abraham that His seed would inherit and possess the land forever. In Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, this is the promise the Lord made to Abram. It says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. So in Exodus, in verse number 8, God is again reiterating this promise to give His people a heritage or a legacy, if you will. And we can see God's promise fulfilled in future history of the Israelites. For example, He brought them into the promised land under Joshua's leadership. He sent them into Babylonian captivity for a period of judgment. And then He brought them back into the land again. And then even though they were scattered after the temple was destroyed in AD 70, He brought them back again in 1948. And so God has been a God who keeps His promises over and over and over and over again. Listen, God gave promises of, to Israel that He would deliver them, uh, and he, his, he, uh, but excuse me, but they still struggled with doubt. Why do we struggle with doubt? Sometimes, and this is, this is often true, because we view life through our experience rather through, than through God's revelation. I'm going to say that again. We doubt God because we view life through experience rather than through God's revelation. That's why we doubt. Rather than rejoicing in God's promise, waiting in expectation to see how God's going to fulfill it, they saw only their present burdens and they were increased and their increased difficulties and believed it would just get worse and worse and worse. Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary in China, said, All my life has been so fickle. Sometimes I could trust, sometimes I could not. But when I could not trust, then I reckoned that God would be faithful. There is a text that says, If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful, He cannot deny Himself. See, there are times in life when we struggle to believe in the faithfulness of God. But our doubt dissuades His faithfulness. He's promised us redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, hallelujah. He's promised a relationship, and this is a surety of His eternal love. He'll, nothing can separate us from that. He's, he's promised that He will never forget us. He has a home in heaven uh, prepared for us to be with Him forever. And His promises hold fast. 
His Word is true. And so when doubt tries to rear its mind in your life, and when doubt tries to stir up anxiety and fear and causes you to want to uh, run away from the Lord, may I just encourage you to go back to God's Word and don't don't look at the life circumstances as much as you come back to God's Word and say, Lord, I cling to You and I believe what You said and I'm just going to rest in these promises. And I'll be honest, there's times when, when you're grieving and you, and you think, Lord, I don't know if I'll ever see that person again. Or, or, or you're grieving because, uh, Lord, I don't know how we're going to supply for our needs and our family. And we're grieving the different things that go through this life. And we have to go back to God's promise and say, God, I'm going to trust you above everything else. I know I can rest in you. So come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for His help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions, or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?